Small businesses are at the heart of the U.S. economy. Here at Nurture Small Business Podcast, we're dedicated to seeing our small business owners succeed. I am your host, Denise Kagan, president of DCA Virtual Business Support. If you like what you hear on today's podcast, please share it. You have my gratitude for doing so. Today, I have with us the author of Image is Power. Now, this person is an expert on, guess what? Emotional intelligence. What is emotional intelligence anyways? Well, it starts with some things like empathy and self-awareness, but it's far more than that. And it impacts your leadership in your company. I'd like you to welcome to the show today, Mick Alexander, Mick, just like Mick Jagger from Image Wealth. Welcome to the show, Mick. Hey, how are you? Good to I be am here. Fantastic. Thank, Thank you. you for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we have known each other for many years, probably close to two decades at this point. Yes. Time flies, doesn't it? It sure does. We were just young girls then, weren't we? Yeah. We're still young, girl. What you talking about? <laughs> there you go. We are. Absolutely. So um, I'd like to ask a little bit about your history. I know you've got some certifications here that I didn't, you know, read through your bio. You're certified by the International Society for Emotional Intelligence yeah. as an emotional intelligence specialist, coach, trainer, and speaker. Tell me, tell me about some of those things. Well, um, back in 2010, I was actually starting um, to do this work and calling it mood management. And then in 2014, ran across a certification program where it was going to be the first one in the country through the International Society for Emotional Intelligence and um, happening at Queens, Queens College in New York. And uh, decided to attend because more people were getting familiar with the term emotional intelligence. Although when you say mood management, people get it right away. Um, so I went ahead and, and got certified. It was very interesting because it talked a lot about the science of emotions and where it is in the brain and all that. Um, and I'm not a science type of girl. I wanted to know, okay, I understand um, the science of it, but how do I apply what I learned to make my life better? And so I began to put together um, a class and research on all of the things I learned being a CEO of a printing company for 17 years, which is how we met, mm -hmm. and the ups and downs <laughs> of that and entrepreneurship and um, combined with the... the um, training that I received from the International Society and put this program together. And I've been teaching it ever since. You said something interesting in there, and I'm not sure if you're aware of how you word it. I took this and saw how I could apply it to better my life. And then you also talked about your courses. So tell me, how did you use it in your life? Well, what I didn't know was that I was going to be diagnosed with cancer. And um, I am single, uh, was single then and still am single. And um, the whole journey of cancer is, for me, it was very, um, I want to say it was very frightening. I wondered, you know, who would be there for me to help me through the toughest parts, the surgery and the, the chemo and all those things. And I also 
had the good fortune to be paired with a lot of other women who were going through um, cancer at the same time, various types of cancer in various stages. Uh, And I realized I was the youngest of the bunch. And these women had a fantastic attitude of thriving and living and fighting and beating this thing. And I realized that the studying that I had been doing was right in line with how is this experience going to go for me, depending on the way I approach it and the way I use my emotional intelligence, it can go well as well as it can, or it can go very badly. And so I decided right then that I was going to be an example for other women who would be coming behind me of how to be what I call a green zone patient. Um, how to go through this illness is in the highest mood level possible and to influence others to do the same thing and that they can win as well. So that's how I ended up applying it (laughs) without thinking that I was going to be applying it in that way. Absolutely. I remember attending one of your wisdom circles. I think you were just finishing up your treatment and I was just being diagnosed. So no, that was did very. You share that with me? Did you? I'm not sure I did. Oh my gosh! Well, I hope my journey was at some level an inspiration to you, and I know you did it in style because I know you. I know you did it in a high <laughs> mood level. Um, but yeah, it's attitude is everything, right? Absolutely, and that's entirely what your wisdom circle was about. You know, you were te- teaching people how to think through their ish, if we can call it that, you know, and, and, and having them, you know, bring to it some calmness and some observance. And I know that this, all of this is part of that emotional intelligence. And I'm sure that's not how you teach it in corporate, or maybe it is, maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> so, it exactly is. <laughs> so tell me about that. I love that. It's exactly the same. I love that. Yeah. So I try to approach it like a wisdom circle as much as corporations will allow me to do that. You know, the wisdom circle was more spiritually based, so we could use more spiritual words um, in corporations that for obvious reasons is not the case. But when when you really peel back the onion, really what it is, is you right? It capital Y-O-U, your own universe. And so I focused in on that concept and building the class so that it could transfer to many different um, environments. It could be in a school, it could be in a church, it could be in a corporation or a business. And so I approach it the same way, but really it's about experiencing our emotions in a safe space. So the key to my training is that I want to create what we call a green zone environment, which means that it is a safe, friendly, highly engaging, everyone's participating, highly confidential, um, non-judgmental space. And so that means that if someone catches a feeling, we like to call it, and that feeling leads them to a very strong um, response, physical response, there's no judgment about it, even if it's in a corporate situation. 
um, because we're there to express our emotions, sit with our emotions, and learn from our emotions and from the emotions of others. And to me, that's the best an emotional intelligence trainer can help for, uh, hope for. So it's not about squashing your emotions. It's about actually being able to bring them out and be productive about them. Absolutely. So there is a difference between controlling your emotions and managing them. And controlling is something that we usually learn um, from our parents and from life. Controlling means stopping, it might mean stopping what you're feeling to be able to focus on what you have to do. It might mean stuffing that emotion and never revisiting it. It might mean a lot of things. Managing it means that if I am in a position where I must control this emotion, I will come back and process through it so Mm -hmm. that I'm able to handle it if the situation comes up again in the optimum way. So emotional intelligence is all about finding the optimal solution to your problem at the time. It may not be the solution you want, or if done again, it might be a different solution. But in the moment, using all the tools I have to come up with the best solution and make the best decision in the moment. And then we must learn to live with our decisions after that and to trust that they were the best ones we had at the time. Absolutely. So tell me, you know, I understand the philosophy of the safe space. So tell me a little bit about how more practically leaders can incorporate this into their business. So the safe space begins with a language. There is a training uh, there is an o- emotional intelligence language that we use in our training. Mm-hmm. And once everyone understands the language of emotional intelligence, then you can begin to create the safe space because we're all talking the same language. Some of the hardest organizations to work with are the ones where the leaders send the workers to get the training, but they don't get it. Mm-hmm. And then when the workers come back, and they're talking this new language, the leaders can sometimes be put off by the language. Um, And then they realize that they're not on the same level with their employees when it comes to emotional intelligence or incorporating EI into the culture of the business. So then we have to go back and teach the leaders. So for that reason, um, and it's safer, obviously, if a leader is not in the room with the team. Okay. Of course. So for that reason, I've created this kind of boost boot camp style training for the leader to go through alone. And that way they're able to express their emotions freely and learn the language. So when their team comes back trained, they can all pick up from there and move forward together. So it sounds it's about emotions, but it also sounds like it's about communication. Absolutely. It's emotions to me is 110% communication, whether that's with myself or with my support team or with people who we call them unlike-minded, unlike-minded individuals who disagree with me on some level, but we still find ourselves in a situation where we have to work together. Then how do we communicate effectively about what we're feeling 
and about what we need to accomplish together so that we can move forward and all win. Other thing about our training is it's set up for a win-win-win philosophy. If I am winning, I am going to help you win. And when two people win together, there's automatically a third person who benefits, three or more. So if you and I win together, now all of a sudden, your staff's winning or your family is going to feel the effects of that win. So we set that up so that everyone has that mentality, that win-win-win mentality. I actually saw that demonstrated today, not specifically with emotional intelligence, but my operations manager was telling me about a team member she was meeting with who was sort of stuck in the problem. Okay. It wasn't a super serious problem, but she said, let's zoom out and look at it from here. Let's look at some patterns. And so she was doing what she has been trained to do as an operations manager, you know, pull out, look at the big picture. Yes. And then the team member all of a sudden started seeing some patterns and they solved the problem. So yes, it was a win for the operations manager, the team member, and our client. And that to me is the goal of business. If you're not in business to service someone and help someone, I don't care what the business is, it's probably not the right business um, for you. So having a win-win-win mentality makes sure that the purpose of the business stays out in front and that we don't get caught up in the day-to-day grind of our emotions that are unpleasant because in business, you're going to experience unpleasant emotions, right? But the key is not to get pulled into that, to remember the purpose and the focus, and then you can keep going or can we say maintain momentum. So I know when business owners come to you, they come to you expressing some type of a problem. So can you give me some examples of what you hear that they're struggling? What is their pain point? Um, they are unable to meet their financial obligations and they find that they may have to, um, eliminate some positions. They come because they feel close to their employees. They see them as family, extended family, and not just a number. And they're having to make tough decisions. They come because they have started hating their business. It's not Mm. what they thought it was going to be. Um, Or there is some portion of the business that they're extremely uncomfortable with, networking, sales, accounting, whatever it is, but they're not necessarily in a financial position to hire the support they need. So they're overwhelmed. That's their word, not mine. Overwhelmed. They are having personal issues, uh, relationship problems that is causing them difficulty in focusing in their leadership role Um, and health issues. So and not necessarily their health issues, but the health issues of someone they care about. Recently, I've gotten an influx of people who are caregivers. And I think that's because the word has gotten out that I am a caregiver for both of my aging parents who both live with me. And once people hear that, well, she can do it and have them live with her. And run a business. (laughs) And run a business and take care of my 13-year-old dog with heart problems. Then they say, well, maybe she can 
offer some some sense or some light, shed some light on my situation. So I'm getting a lot of caregiving mm-hmm. calls now. Awesome. That sounds like it's a good fit. What is your ideal business as far as demographics? Let's start with location. Um, actually, there there's no ideal location because I am able to do what I do virtually as okay. well as in person. So across I, the U.S. Yes, across the U.S. I like in person best, um, but I can um, definitely work virtually. Um, size of business. I think I've decided that it is 50, between 50 and 250 employees with a full-time HR person. And the reason that's important is because the HR people are usually focused on employee development and bringing type, the type of training that I bring as an exper- experiential, experiential, how do I say that? Experience, experience. How about that? There you go. <laughs> as an experience for their employees, as well as a learning opportunity. At, you must have picked up on my vibe because I was going to ask you why a full-time HR person. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Give it, give me an example, obviously, without identifying the client of a, of a problem that you've worked through with them, you know, a problem and a solution, how this all worked out. Um, Ooh, that's, I wasn't prepared for that. I've got so many <laughs> challenges. Let's see which one. Um, I have a client who has a business partner. They are family members, but not directly related. They're in-law family members. They do not agree on the direction of the business. Mm -hmm. Some of the workers, employees are family members. And so this dissension between them and their inability to communicate effectively through their emotions, because family business carries a a lot of emotions with it, as we both know, um, that has uh, hindered them from finding a solution that works. So I have worked with them to be able to talk about what they're feeling. We know what the problem is. And I believe they have the solution, but they're unable to come up with it because they're stuck in their emotions about it. Mm. And so once we moved past what they were feeling and a lot of things came up that had nothing to do with the business. Okay. Once we resolved those things, then they were able to sit down and kindly talk, calmly talk about what each of them envisioned for the business and come up with a joint vision. In the end, someone, they both had to give up something, but someone had to give up a little more. And so then I worked separately with that individual to make sure they could find peace with that and not just say it, but really mean it. Right. There's a difference between saying it and feeling it. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. That's incredible. And yes, you and I both know about family dynamics because when I met you, you were in a family business and I was as well. (laughs) And now neither of us are. No, I'm that just is kidding. correct. <laughs> <laughs> that that uh, in and of itself presents a whole lot of other challenges because you do bring your other stuff from life into, I mean, 
regular employees do too, actually. <laughs> but I think it seems to be a little bit more prevalent when it's family because you feel comfortable, like they know me, they should understand me. And it, you still are there for that mission of that company. Yes. And, and in my case, where I was the CEO over my dad, right, it kept coming back to, but I'm the father. You can't tell me what to do, right? And and put me in a very awkward position of doing what's best for the company and the employees versus honoring my relationship with my father. So very difficult. Mm-hmm. That must have been challenging. But clearly, <laughs> you guys made it through. <laughs> well, so- the jury's still out. <laughs> so tell me about your sign that's behind you. There is no DEI without EI. Yes. So the other part of what I do, and I think it's just a natural fit, is um, diversity, equity, inclusion training. And I have a partner who specializes in that. But what we came to understand together was that without the emotional intelligence, training portion of a DEI program, it really becomes just a directive. So I, as the leader, say, we are going to be more diverse, we're going to be inclusive, etc. And I can even have a training about it. But because I'm not interested in what you actually think about it or feel about it, I'm giving you the directive that no matter what you feel about it, you're going to do this and we're going to hit these numbers or check this box or whatever it is for that leader. So together we came up with a training that includes the emotional intelligence piece first. Why is it even necessary for us to have training around diversity? Isn't that something that we should automatically want to do? Well, in a in an ideal world, yes, but we all have our different cultural backgrounds and family dynamics and things that um, subconsciously may be running through our paradigms, and we just don't automatically embrace all levels of diversity and inclusion. And so without understanding why I'm opposed to it and how I can open up or broaden my understanding about this topic... I just think the rest is just checking a box. So I am in complete agreement with you. (laughs) I I am in complete agreement. So Mick, what should I have asked you that I did not ask you? Um, You are so thorough. I really can't think of anything um, other than, you know, I do want to say that I also have had the great honor to work with returning citizens. And these are people returning from prison um, who have gotten a second chance and have been employed through a a major hospital network here. And I am um, teaching them emotional intelligence as the uh, the first part of a very long course that they must complete. And I wanted to mention them because of all the groups that I've trained I find that these individuals are more embracing of emotional intelligence than any other group. Now, while it's true, while they are incarcerated, they are going through other classes, the self-awareness and communication and all that. So they're familiar 
with where we're going with this emotional intelligence training. And I think that helps them to embrace it more freely. But I also have watched these individuals come back from devastating uh, life, life events and have this look upon life, this hope that so many people who are born with privilege or who have had um, all kinds of breaks in life take for granted. So I just wanted to say that part of what I do is about gratitude, is about having gratitude for where you are and how things could be if it weren't for, you know, great fortune or whatever you call it. And then giving yourself the opportunity to broaden your mind. There are some people that say, I know emotional intelligence. I have control over my emotions. I don't need that. But when you are open to learning about something you think you know, that's when you the true learning happens. And I learned that from them. Um, it's it's just been a real honor in it's my mindset. Career. Yes. My, a different mindset. Absolutely. All right. So how can our listeners find you after the show? They can always go to my website, imagewealth.com. And they can also find me on social media, LinkedIn and Facebook. I'm there at Mick Alexander. And I'm also there. My business has um, a presence there, Image Wealth. And on Twitter, it's Mick Alexander or it's Image Wealth. I don't know. I don't know what it we'll is. Make sure, we'll make sure it's in the show notes. <laughs> it's so many of them, which is why I need you and your support. Absolutely. So, so we'll make sure your website, your social handles, all of that are in our show notes so that people can find you. Okay. Okay. All right, Mick, thank you so much for being an excellent guest today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Thank you for joining me for today's Nurture Small Business Podcast, where the focus is on business growth through technology, leadership, and people strategies. Do you have an idea for a podcast or feedback you'd like to share with me? Send me a note through my website at dcavirtual.com slash contact.